This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup. You're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Mark on from TechScreen, and we're going to be talking about the inside the game of technical recruiting. As it is of 2021, uh, Mark's been uh, doing technical, some form of technical recruiting uh, for, we're just going to say 20 plus years. So you get to a certain age uh, experience level where you just say plus and you just kind of leave it at that. Um, So Mark, do us a favor, do the audience a favor, introduce both yourself and introduce TechScreen. Okay. Well, thanks very much, William. So, so TechScreen is a SaaS software company. We've been around since 2016 and we introduce a technical interview platform that lets recruiters uh, create and conduct detailed technical interviews without needing to be technical themselves. But what I want to talk about today is, is how people can get overwhelmed by technology and, and how you know they're buried in the blizzard of buzzwords. And I just want to talk about a couple of things that I've done over time that's helped steer the conversation when you're doing, say, a job intake call um, of how to not let the focus be placed on technical terms and the buzzwords, but understanding more about the work that needs to be done. And I think if recruiters put themselves in position to drive the conversation and not have it be based on the buzzwords, because anyone can do keyword matching between a job spec and a resume. But by focusing on the work these people are being asked to do, I think they'd have much more effective conversations, both with the managers and, and the candidates, and they could also do a better job of actually encouraging a candidate to apply for the job because a bunch of buzzwords isn't a job description. That's and, right. And, and so, like, I remember uh, a long time ago on Quora, the Q&A site, there was a general question, something like, uh, and I'll paraphrase, why is it so hard for uh, recruiters to connect with software engineers? And there were a lot of answers to the questions, but um, among them, there was a a guy named Matt Yule. He's a software architect, but he frequently blogs on the whole subject. And his his message was essentially, look, buzzwords are not a job description. Take the time to learn what somebody's actually done and and have a conversation about the position. What am I going to be doing? What am I going to be building? you know, how is this going to improve my marketability as a, as a technical professional? And, and I think that it's very easy to let the manager just drive the conversation toward a bunch of buzzwords because they historically have thought, well, that's the only and or best way for a recruiter to understand what I'm looking for by having a job description that has like 15 different technical terms. And it's just, it's, it's not practical that someone's going to have all of these terms, but if, if you instead talk to the manager about, hey, listen, let's start out this way. Let's talk about what objective are you trying to achieve? What business um, workflow process is being supported by the work this position is going to do? And then what questions, what deliverables are you going to put in this candidate's plate? And what's a question I can ask 
that actually is going to tell me if the person can produce this work. And so, and then get them to describe what, what kind of objective are you hoping to achieve at the end of this project? Because a candidate wants to know more about what am I going to be building? How is it being used? What kind of problems is solved? Do I think that's cool? Do I think that's needed? You know, how is this going to make me better? And you're going to be able to describe the actual substance of the work and, and not trip over all the buzzwords because the candidates want the substance of the work. They want it to be interesting. They want it to be challenging. They want it to be solving a problem they think is actually worth getting solved. And you are going to separate yourself from all the other recruiters who are just slinging buzzwords out there because they're largely falling on deaf ears. So I just talked to, I literally just had a phone call uh, before this one where we were talking about this very topic and how the, the phrase DevOps or the phrase mm-hmm. full stack or um, uh, the, 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 the phrases that, 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 you know, a front end mm-hmm. essentially have, have developed over time to represent, you know, whatever they represent. So in DevOps, the things that they represent and then potentially some of the languages that you might use or skills mm-hmm. that you might need. So it's a combination of like DevOps is an umbrella term that then represents other things underneath it. Yep. And people talk about, and we're just going to pick on DevOps, but obviously sure. we can pick on any of them, but p- people talk about DevOps. And, and again, there's not like, there's like you look in LinkedIn and you put, DevOps in there. There's people that do list themselves as DevOps, but by and large, there's folks that don't list themselves as DevOps, but have DevOps skills yes. and experiences. Yep. So, so yeah, go ahead. No, 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 please. You, you I was just going to ask, how do you, how do you, what's your advice for folks when they're trying to figure out, okay, I've got the rec for a DevOps engineer. Mm-hmm. How do I now know what to think about in terms of skills and experiences and again, the things that are going to be important for the candidate, all the things that are going to be important to the candidate. Yep, that's a great question. And let me let me explain it this way. Now, and, and, this, and this is a great example of, of why I've always been a proponent when you're talking about what kind of search strings should I write for this, for this position is to try to avoid like the plague, the, the inclusion of titles in your string. Because um, and, and DevOps is such a good umbrella term, um, as you described it, but what I, would, what I would tell recruiters is to first get an understanding of what DevOps accomplishes. So very succinctly, think of DevOps as a way to put massive automation and scale through rapid deployments, new deployments of applications, and, and to be able to automate how they get tested in, in some cases, uh, or, or what the end goal is, is to have deployments happen automatically because it was tested automatically and they can rapidly push stuff out. So what you should be looking for in somebody who's going to be in a DevOps environment is somebody who's been accustomed to massive scale production support. Now I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but you remember the old ASPs, you know, the application service providers, the application hosting companies. And so they, they would employ people that had titles like system engineers, you know, the kind of guys who, who know networking really well, but they actually had the hands-on ability to write scripts. And back in the day, it would be like Perl or, or, you know, shell scripting like that, you know, the Unix stuff. 
but they'd be able to write some custom utility that performed a very specific task or they'd build us the lightweight tool that helped them execute their job. So look for people who have already been in large scale production environments. You see things on resumes like five nines reliability, which technically translates to like only 15 minutes out of an entire year of being down. People who've hosted applications for corporate customers because they know what downtime means and business impact. They understand how, you know, you have to set things up in a server farm, understanding scaling out versus scaling up. And so look for the activities that are associated with people who had to support massive production environments, whether it was on-prem and the company did it entirely on their own, or if they were a, a provider who would host massive enterprise apps on behalf of customers. So make a list of the old school ASPs, the application service providers, like Exodus and Genuity and companies like that and find lists of companies who actually that was their business model. So every single engineer that those companies would hire were doing the same exact activities that you are finding in current quote unquote DevOps environments. They're completely transferable, but the, what you do is you're avoiding the, the necessity of having a DevOps moniker inside somebody's job title on a current or you know, up-to-date version of a resume. They may have been doing DevOps activities for most of their career. They were just doing it under different titles. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. How do... Um... So the advice to technical sourcers um, when they first get the job rec, mm-hmm. when you know they, they first get that job rec, it comes over from a recruiter or from a directly from a hiring manager in some cases, mm-hmm. and it, and again we'll 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 do DevOps because we've been yep. we've been kind of focused on it, which was fine. Um, what is it? What what? How how do you when you first get uh, a job description or a job rec when you first get that? Like, what's your process? So uh, I actually um, follow sort of a lightweight methodology of, um, of the information. It starts, you know, and, and I, I called it work, you know, and it's a four word acronym, you know, so the W actually has um, three legs to the stool, you know, um, what are you building and what um, outcome are you looking for? What deliverable is absolutely essential part of what this person's going to need to do to successfully execute their job. And what question can I ask that tells me up or down if this person actually has the competencies to execute this work and then say, what, what's the business outcome at the end of this project, this, this system or this application is going to perform what function. And then after we've defined that, then you get into the technical requirements. What, what specific tools or skills or languages will this person um, need to bring to the dance? And then the, the K of work is, okay, what are the key attributes that would separate two equally qualified candidates? Now, if you did a job intake call and all you did was define those six questions, you would have every shred of information any recruiter would need to cover that requirement because you, you can define what the, what the actual work um, that needs to be built, the critical deliverable that this candidate will actually have to hit, a question that will validate whether the candidate has the knowledge, 
um, you're going to be able to say, and at the end of all this work, this is the business result, the outcome that is going to result from this work. And then we have the technical requirements, the key, you know, the requirements that the candidate is going to need to work with you know, from a, you know, technical stack perspective and tools perspective. And then, you know, what would be two things, uh, some key attributes that would separate someone who's equally qualified on paper, but what would give one the nod over the other? And if I have the answers to those six questions, I could recruit for any position. It doesn't matter what the, you know, what the skill sets are. So, okay, real quick, before we move on to the next thing, um, mm -hmm. it's getting people to, getting the hiring manager or the recruiter to prioritize. Yep. Um, right. So you give them, they give you 12 things. You say, okay, out of the, <laughs> here's four, what are the most stack rank them, et cetera. Yep. How do you, how do you have those difficult conversations with somebody that wants to have all, like right. they give you, they they feel like they've given you a short list and they want all of it on that list. Like, how do you then, you know, not convince them, but how do you kind of move them mentally to, okay, for us to actually be done, here's what has yep. to happen. Okay. So I, real simple. I would say, so if you have a manager who just was, you know, just completely dogmatic about needing all of these different skills, you know, and if they've got any tenure as a hiring manager, just ask them uh, quickly. Say, hey, have you ever landed in a job and you called somebody who you used to work with because you know they're a proven commodity and you said, hey, I want you to come interview for this empty seat I have, right? And you knew full well that, that your, you know, former direct report doesn't have some of the technical, you know, tools or languages, et cetera, that's part of this environment. But you invited them anyways. Has that ever happened? And they'll say, of course, they're going to say yes. Okay. Did some of those people who didn't have all of the right, you know, tools and languages and frameworks, et cetera, on their resume, did they get hired? You know, and of course, for many, many cases, yes, they did. And were they successful in their jobs? And they'll say, in many cases, they'll say, yeah. It's like, okay, so we've just validated the fact that given somebody with the right experience and aptitude and ability to adapt on the fly, someone could come in here and execute that job if their resume had less than 100% of all of the desired tools. Can we agree on that? And because they're going to talk about instances where they themselves were the decision-making authority who purposely reached out for someone whose resume may not have lined up you know, you know, in a one-to-one -one relationship with the job description, just get them to admit that you know, you're not going to have this perfectly aligned wish list uh, on a job spec with somebody's resume. It's just not how th things work in the real world. And you, you yourself gave me an example of somebody who's had a resume that didn't line up with a specific job spec, but your confidence in their ability to get the job done was verified because you got, you got them hired and then they actually did the job. So let's, let's focus on the most critical parts. Tell me if there's a technical skill, explain why not having this skill will make them fail in this position. I want to really understand for myself. And if they can sit there and explain why these 10 or 12 or N different technical terms, you know, the, the, who, whose absence on, on the candidate's background would lead to an absolute, you know, predictable failure, then you can say, look, I'd love to find someone with all these skills, but you need to explain to me how the lack of Kubernetes or the lack of Kafka or the lack of Cassandra is going to 
cement their doom and they cannot execute this job. And so that way we, we put less emphasis on key specific buzzwords and more about capability and aptitude and transferability. So, okay. Thank you for that. And, uh, and that clears up the, the things I needed it to clear up now. Yes. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned a couple of things in, in that you, you know, you want to make sure that they, that the candidate is engaged yep. by that. By exactly. This. Okay. So it's been my experience with technical positions that the folks are, there's both, there's, they want to be challenged. Like, and they also, they want to be kind of intrigued and they, they want some, some form of training as well. They want it, they want to grow themselves, I guess is a yep. good, good way of thinking of it. Sure. So, you know, how do you convey, you know, time, how you're going to utilize your time with your skills, but also how do you convey that excitement of what's being built and how it, you know, kind of how it'll help them fulfill on some of the things that they want to fulfill on? Right. So one of the things you want to do from the manager is to say, listen, imagine you're applying for this job. Okay. What are the things that are going to move the needle for you? If you were calling the ex-colleague to tell them about your open position, what are the first three things you would tell them with the intention of getting them excited about working in your environment? Let's, let's walk through those. What, is it in it for them? You know, get to the what's in it for them as quickly as possible. You know, so I want to be able to tell the story you would tell if you had the time to talk to all these candidates. Why should you consider this position over others that may seem similar on paper? How, how do I tell the story that's going to excite the candidate to get them to put this one ahead of other op, you know, opportunities they have because they clearly understand the what's in it for them? And it's going to be different for every person. But if you ask the manager, say, look, you, you're calling someone who's worked for you two other shops over a period of eight and a half years. So you know a little something about them. What are you going to tell them as the, the things that are going to interest and excite them the most about working in this environment? Let them give you the ammunition on what is going to hit, you know, you know, trigger a, a candidate to be interested in this position over other positions that seem similar just because of the technical environment. Make them excited about what they get if they come work at this particular place. So uh, two questions, and it's going to be two T's. One's going to yep. be team, and, and the other's going to be training. Mm -hmm. What's the uh, what's your advice in terms of kind of pitching the team, the project, the you mm -hmm. know, um, and not you know not the company per se. Like okay, mm -hmm. you work, work for Twitter, like that's cool, but yep. you're going to be all you're going to be doing this within Twitter with this team, yep. etc. So team, and the other is training. Like yep. how do you how do you connect the dots for them and say okay, listen. I know you want to grow. I know you want to grow this particular skill set. Pick mm -hmm. pick a development language, right? Um, and and I know you want to. I know that you're right now. You're inter, probably intermediate. You're at a certain level, um, and you want to grow that. Here's what they do to train you. Here's what yep. they actually will do to kind of help you grow that skill set. So what's what's your advice for folks that want to convey those messages in when they talk to candidates? Well, ask them about their goals and objectives. Like how important is it that your employer offers you formal or informal training? What kind of training have you um, seen to be effective? You know, uh, some people like to go to conferences. Some people like to actually go to 
the, the, you know, um, how-to schools and, and, and learn on a brand new language or something. <clears throat> but I would let the candidate tell their stories. Like, mm. you know, everyone looks at things like training and, you know, learning new stuff um, differently. You know, some like to say, maybe work at a place where they let you pick the language um, that you write in or, or different tools, uh, or maybe some peeps, places have very strict environments where you can't make decisions like, but what types of ways to enhance your, your learning have you seen be effective? What kind of learning opportunities or training opportunities, you know, are you looking for? Does it have to be formal? It could just be something where you go at your own pace or the, the company sends you to conferences so you can learn stuff formally. What have you liked in your past? And once you understand what they like or what they expect or what they, you know, demand, you know, you'll be able to make sure that you find out the answers to the questions from, from the hiring managers. Uh, I've got this, this guy who loves to constantly learn, but, you know, he um, left his uh, position in the past because, you know, his buddies would get flown to conferences all the time and his employer never did it. And he finally decided to leave there because he liked to be at a place where they invest in their people and willing to spend a couple of dollars. So get the, in the same way you ask the manager to define what would be the key selling points for someone to come and work at, at your shop or your team, ask the candidate, what types of things in regard to learning on the job and or formal training have, are you really looking for? What would help you make your decision by me understanding what, how you would like to see your, native, your new employer, how they feel about training, how they handle it? Is it all formal? Is it all self-paced? Or is it, you know, do you get to go to conferences and get to do cool stuff like that? And I would let the candidate define what they perceive as the optimum <clears throat> way of the, how the, the company handles learning new stuff and, and specifically about training. Love that. Okay, so, and I don't want to be assumptive here because every source of recruiter, man, hiring manager kind of goes about this differently. Sure. Um, but technical folks, at least today, because of scarcity, they're not really super hip on applying for jobs. Right. Right. Like, you know, this is this has actually been kind of an issue for a while, but, you know, getting somebody to fill out a, a Google form or some type of some type of application process right. for for uh, a DevOps uh, person that's in mm -hmm. high demand, yeah, not not super successful at rate at doing that. Right. What's your advice on when you're talking to the candidate and convincing them either to go through the application process or to skip it? Like, or, or how do you get them over the hump of like, I want to, are, are you interested? And if you are interested, here's the process right. that we need to go through. And, and like, you know, let them, let them understand. But I'm, I'm one, there's two parts of this question I'm interested in. Yeah. One is, is how do you deal with their guttural reaction to filling out forms right. when, when they're in so in high demand? Two, how do you, how do you close them? Right. So fair question. <clears throat> so w one thing I always do, if there's some step you can take as a recruiter or a sourcer that's going to push the ball forward and have the candidate be willing to remain engaged with you is if you can, you know, not have them fill out a, a big web form. And, and sometimes companies 
have good intentions to put these things up to help automate so they can't gather a bunch of information up front. But you, you're right, though. Most candidates aren't going to spend the time that some of these forms, which can take quite a bit of time, they just don't want to do. So I would do whatever it took to get them uploaded into the system so they actually, you know, they were a record in the, in the database so you can attach them to a job. You know, um, because a lot of times those forms are when a candidate is, is deliberately searching for opportunities. But <clears throat> if you're talking to them, engaged and trying to convince them to be interested, be the one to upload them into the system so they you can attach them to whatever jobs you like to. And, and, and just avoid that step, that time-consuming step of them having to fill in a bunch of uh, forms. I mean, I've heard people say, well, if they want a job here, they have to fill the form out. Uh, you know, from my perspective, you know, some of the candidates aren't just aren't going to be willing to do it. So make it easier for them. Take away their excuse of not wanting to pursue a position because you insist that they fill out a form, get them uploaded into the ATS, associate them with one or more jobs that you have that you're trying to fill, and then get them in the process and not have to go and fill out a bunch of screens that might just turn them off and have them say, you know, I don't need to do this because my buddy called me and he wants me to meet his boss for lunch next week. I think I'll just stick to that. Um, I mean, there, it's a necessary evil when you are putting your jobs out and you hope people apply for themselves online. But if you're talking to somebody, get them up in your ATS if they're not there already and, and you know, let them sidestep the painful, tedious process of doing all that data entry. Right. So last question, and it's a, a rejection response, right? So mm-hmm. what is the most common, just in your experience, the most common kind of typical rejection from a technical person when you're trying to kind of woo them into a new bit? What's that, what's, what, is it, what is that common rejection and how do you overcome it? So, so I want to make sure I understand the question correctly. So you're asking me from a, with my recruiter's hat on right. working internally focused to try to fill an FTE for right. XYZ Inc. Right. And I'm talking to somebody who seems to have the right skills and, and how do I convince them to come That's right. and apply for this job? Yeah. And you know, the rejection is it's uh, it's like sales, you know, sales right. rejection management, right? There's a universe of no's. And yep. so that universe of no's, what's the, what's the number one way that they try to try to say no? And how do, how do you, as a sorcerer recruiter or even a hiring manager, how do you flip that no? Right. Well, you always want to try to understand their motivations, right? Mm. Um, you know, sometimes it's going to be money. Sometimes, and, and, well, this is going to be less and less relevant, you know, distance, like, you know, how long is it commute? Now we're in a different yeah. world where that's not going to be as big a play. But try to get them to define their motivations, what's going to make them decide on, on a position and just reinforce how, what this position represents, how it actually lines up with the things that they're trying to accomplish in, you know, finding a new gig. And by understanding their objectives and understanding the what's in it for them. So have that um, question, the conversation with the manager. So we define the what's in it for them stuff for the candidate, find out as much from the candidate about what's going to make them move to another position and try to connect as many of those points as possible. So they're making their analysis and their evaluation on real empirical, measurable, tangible things about why someone would want to go take another job and have it less be on things they assume about the company or the position. Um, because if I they can't, I you know, that. 
Yeah, because what you've done is you've made it them the candidate centric. Mm -hmm. It's not so much like you're selling culture, values, all this other stuff, which, of course, you're going to get to. You're going to get to all that stuff because it's important, but you're not selling that. You're finding out what's important to them, and then you're centering the discussion around them and their needs. Yep. Exactly. And, and everyone has everyone has their own likes and dislikes, but find out what drives this person, yeah. this candidate. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and then you have that Jerry Maguire conversation with the manager. Help me help you. Give me the <laughs> bullet points that you would call your former guy who's your indispensable, you know, bug finding troubleshooter, the guy who could <clears throat> solve any technical problem, doesn't matter what language it's in. How are you going to excite them to come work for you um, in your team? That's it. Drops mic, walks off stage. Mark, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for also breaking this down. It's been very important. And uh, I look forward to having our next discussion. And uh, thanks for everyone that listens to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at RecruitingDaily.com.